Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I just want to say I hope you're having a good day because I think I'm having a pretty good day today. I want to talk to you today. The message is limp in, leap out. When I was growing up in Walla Walla, Washington, there was a car dealership with that slogan. It said right big letters on the front of it, limp in and leap out. I think that would be a good slogan for Christians to use as they observe their friends crippled by sin and needing to know that Jesus Christ has the answer that they need to do more than just limp through life. They can be successful, they can be victorious if they allow Jesus Christ to control them. If you pray for them and are willing to put forth the effort to tell them about Jesus Christ, they might leap at the opportunity of being part of the family of God with all the blessings of having your sins forgiven, that burden of sin taken away, having their names written in the book of life, and being part of the family of God and inheriting eternal life to be with Jesus Christ forever. In Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to himself, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. See, now, Jesus was in Capernaum. Word spread and people ran from every direction to crowd into the house where he was in order to hear his sermons, watch his miracles, maybe even get a free fish sandwich or something else free to eat. Jesus was very popular. The house was so crowded, though, that they couldn't get it. Not only was it standing room only, it was almost breathing room only. There was a crippled man who needed healing, but he hadn't arrived at the meeting yet. Four of his friends, or maybe relatives, decided to bring him to the healing service. And Jesus had visited Capernaum before. My question is, why hadn't this man been healed then? Well, maybe nobody had cared enough to bring him before, but now they were concerned. I have people say, Pastor, I've known this person 20 years, and he's dying and really needs the Lord. And my thought is always, if you have known that person for that length of time, why didn't you witness to him? 
Why do you think it is only the pastor's job to tell people about God's plan for their salvation? Anybody that knows Jesus Christ is supposed to pass the good news along. Whatever the reason might be that he was never before Jesus uh, up until this day, the four friends decided to bring the crippled man into Jesus. It would have been interesting to watch these four fellows bring their crippled friend to the house. What a sight it must have been. I see the tall one slightly bent over, trying to keep his corner of the stretcher low enough so that his shorter friends could do their job without a lot of stress and strain. He, he is straining to slow down his pace with those big long legs and, and to keep the stretcher level. I see the short one stretching his short legs, almost running to keep up, straining to hold the corner uh, of his mat up so it won't tip and dump his friend on the ground. Looks like he's on his tiptoes there. Here the fat one. He's puffing and wheezing. His heart is beating like a jackhammer because of the unfamiliar strain that he's putting on it today. Sweat is beating on his forehead and, f and his face. He's thinking, how much farther, he wheezes. The old one is praying desperately that his back won't give out, that he, he can keep his grip, that his legs won't go into Charlie horses, uh, that uh, it'd be awful to drop his friend, and I can almost read his thoughts. Oh, phew, I'm not the man I used to be, and maybe I never was. Each man was made uncomfortable and awkward in performing his duty, but they did it because they loved their friend and wanted to see him made whole. They could sacrifice their personal comfort if it would help their friend. Wow, if only Christians today could grasp that concept. Look around you. How many people do you see that are crippled spiritually that could use the good news about Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation? Finally, after what must have felt like an eternity, they reached the house. But to their chagrin, it was full of people. They couldn't get in. There was no way that they are going to get their friend into that place so he could see Jesus. You know, most people would have given up at this point. They said, well, Charlie, we tried. Maybe if Jesus comes this way again, we'll try to get you here earlier so that we can maybe get in before the crowd comes like this. They didn't give up, though. They found a way. They had brought their friend, and they decided that he was going to be seeing Jesus, and Jesus was going to see him. There is always a way to get to Jesus when you really want to. One of God's wonderful promises is in Jeremiah 33, 3. says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God never asked you to do a job that he won't equip you to do. He didn't ask these four to bring their friends and then say, Well, just give up because it's not worth the effort. So, they looked around. They couldn't figure out how they could get in through a window or through the door, but they saw that maybe they could get up on the roof and let him down through that way, so they started climbing to the roof. Now, I imagine the thrilling sensation this would have given to the crippled man laying on that mat. He probably wanted to say, please be careful. Don't drop me. I, I can't take any more pain. 
Well, people nearby probably tried to stop them because they thought, well, you're going to disrupt the service. You're going to interrupt what's going on in there, and you don't have a right. Besides, they would say, you can't do that. We've never done it that way before. Not everyone liked Jesus. He drew in some pretty strange people. If we do his will today, we might draw in some pretty strange people too, but they are all people that Jesus loves and Jesus gave his life to save. Listen, there is nobody that isn't the type to need Jesus. I hear people say sometimes, well, I know that maybe I should talk to that person, but he's just not the type. He's, he just Religion just turns him off. Well, I want you to know that you need to go ahead and talk to that person anyhow if God is asking you to because God is also working on that person and what you say will drive home the points with the help of the Holy Spirit that you have an answer that they need. I, I imagine the people around there said, why don't you just quit and forget it? You'll never make it to Jesus anyway. And, and if you do, he doesn't have time for you. He's busy with all those other folks. You know, there are always plenty of people to tell us why it can't be done. Always people that want to throw wet blankets on our, our, our plans. Why don't you just close that church? You know, it'll never come back. I heard that one time, or I was told the reason you, you got Portland Emmanuel Wesleyan Church says you were the pastor is because no Wesleyan pastor would want Portland Emmanuel Wesleyan Church. I, I heard that, and I said, well, it doesn't matter if nobody else wants the church. This is where God wants me at this time, and I'm going to be here content that I'm serving Jesus Christ. I read an illustration about this concept. A group of frogs were traveling through the woods. Two of them fell into a deep pit. All the other frogs gathered around the pit and looked down, and they saw how deep the pit was. And They told the two frogs, Give up. You're as good as dead. You'll never get out of there. The two frogs ignored the comments and tried to jump out of the pit with all of their might. The other frogs kept telling them to stop. They were as good as dead. Finally, after wearing himself out, one of the frogs listened to what the other frogs were saying, and he just gave up. He fell down and died. The other frog kept jumping as hard as he could. The crowd of frogs kept yelling at him to stop the pain and stop doing that. Just go ahead and die. He jumped even harder, and finally he made it out. This frog was deaf, not able to hear the others. He thought they were encouraging him the entire time. You know, there is, there is power of life and death in the tongue. An encouraging word to someone who is down can lift them up and help them make it through the day. A destructive word to someone who is down can be what it takes to kill their spirit, to make them just want to give up. Be careful about what you say. Encourage those people you know. Sometimes it's hard to understand how an encouraging word can go such a long way. But I've seen it where people were really down and then somebody believed in them and all of a sudden they got new breath, new wind. I heard about a preacher's son that wanted to go out calling on a rainy, miserable day because he felt like there might be people at home that he could win 
for Jesus Christ. But some of the people said, oh, you don't want to go out. It's too cold. It's too wet. And those people are probably predestined anyhow. You know, the, some people probably, back to the story of, of the four men that brought their friend on a stretcher, some people thought they were ruining the house by going up there and tearing a hole in the roof. They were putting material things before the needs of this man. I had a lady in my congregation in Pullman, Washington. We had established a bus route to pick children up for Sunday school and, and church, and it was successful. We were reaching a lot of children, and, and uh, it just was exciting. This dear lady, though, came to me and asked me, Pastor, do we have to have all those kids here? They disrupt the service and often leave a mess when so that someone else has to clean up. Sometimes they move around and knock the hymnals out of the racks and they fall on the floor and disturb the service. Wouldn't we have better results of reaching adults if we didn't have all those children? I looked at her and I said, would you like to come in and sit down with me this week and we can go over the Sunday school roles and decide which kids we want to get rid of and just let go to hell and which kids are worthy of keeping. That was undoubtedly the attitude most of the people had that day. They thought the actions that these four men were doing was completely out of place. The Pharisees were looking down their skinny noses at these men they felt they were too good for this kind of ministry, and this was certainly out of place. We must make people welcome to God's kingdom. You know, uh, sometimes people give the idea, maybe I, I'm better than these other people. We're no better. I, I, I'd, I'd better not look down my little nose at things, because every one of us are sinners that need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he has welcomed us to come into his kingdom. Well, the crowd heard the scratching and saw the scraps falling from the ceiling. They watched the hole open up there inside. And, the, you know, it's like today's church and Christians. Most people are willing just to stand by and watch. Finally, the four men let their friend down right in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't get upset and chase them out, saying, You're interrupting the service. In fact, he looked at the man and he said, Your sins are forgiven. Oh, man, did this ever upset the pious religious leaders. They began to murmur, this isn't how it's supposed to be done. You know, people murmur over a lot of things today. In fact, there are people that are Christians that uh, are, are kind of waylaid in what God wants them to do because people are murmuring, people are finding fault, people are saying you shouldn't do it that way. Well, why didn't Jesus stop these four men? He heard the clamoring on the outside. He, he heard them climbing up to the roof. He could have stopped them or he could have gone outside to heal the man so there wouldn't be a disruption in the service. He wanted to use their faith as an illustration. The man was healed as the result of the faith of five men. Five men came expecting a miracle and revival hit. The four men that brought the man and the fifth man that was on the mat, all five of them knew that Jesus Christ could help in this situation. You know, we could see similar things happen today. Let's make ourselves available to God so that we can see some miracles. The man came 
down it, through the roof. He left through the door. Limp in. Leap out. No matter how you come to Jesus, you can leave healed and clean, forgiven of your sins. A new person holding your head high because now you are a child of God, forgiven of your sins on your way to eternity with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see such things today? I believe we can if we will. I believe if we spend time in prayer and we ask God for direction and we're willing to go tell people about Jesus Christ, we're going to see people one to the Lord. Needy people are out there all around us. The, the physically crippled, yes. The emotionally crippled, yes. The spiritually crippled, all over. Jesus said in John 4, 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Man, think of what a privilege that is to work that way for Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs the Lord? You know, it's up to us, to you and me, to bring them in. Maybe you need to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins and save you. And maybe you need to go talk to somebody about their sins. I, I hear people sometimes pray, Oh Lord, bring people into the church. Listen, that's a misconcept. God didn't say that we were supposed to stay in the church and just wait for him to bring people in. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He expects us to go out to where they are and witness to them and bring them in and fill his house with souls for Jesus Christ. You know, it'd be terrible if those that you know end up in hell for eternity because you weren't interested in bringing them to Jesus. Remember, the crippled man would never have gotten to Jesus if his friends hadn't been concerned enough to bring him there. Because they cared, he was able to limp in and leap out. A man's life was transformed for time and eternity by Jesus Christ because four of his friends were concerned about his spiritual well-being. I think if you'd pray and ask God for direction, he could show you somebody that you need to present the gospel to, too. Dear Father, I pray that you help us that we might be willing to not only accept you as our personal Savior, but pass the good news along. Lord, if there are people here that don't know you, I pray they would ask for your forgiveness today. They would repent of their sins and they would turn their life completely over to you. And then I pray, God, that you'll give us a, a burden, an insight into people around us that maybe we see all the time, but they need Jesus. And we haven't stopped to recognize that need. Help us to see people through your eyes. I pray, God, that you'll help us to realize that the fields, like you said, are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. May we be like Isaiah and say, Lord, here am I send me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, praise God. 
I, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will use you. And I hope if you have any kind of thoughts, questions, prayer requests, I, I hope that you will let me know. You know, you can contact me through the phone number. You can text me, 623-845-2741, or call. You can use my email address, lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s, at gmail.com. Or you could write to me through the mail. It's Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. By the way, I would remind you that I'm preaching Sunday mornings and having Bible study Sunday nights at the First Baptist Church here in Holbrook, and I would invite you to come to be a part of what we're doing. Tomorrow, I'll be preaching on sure hope that we don't run into any problems. And I think it's going to be a productive service. I would invite you to come. God bless you. We'll talk to you in about a week. And uh, if you need anything, give me a holler.